0: That's my happiest moment, like on their day off, they'll come in to get coffee and sit and work or bring friends or something. And I think that's so cool because a lot of times you might leave the office or leave work and you're like, thank goodness, you know, I don't have to see that place for a couple of days, I'm out.
1: Welcome to the Self Starter Podcast, a place where stories are shared from women just like you who left the colorless corporate world with an idea and a passion and ran with it to create the vibrant life they always wanted to live. My name is Megan Tobler, and every week I'll be bringing real women to you to share their entrepreneurial journey in hopes of inspiring you to take the very first step of your own. Sometimes the hardest part is just to start. So come on, start today for you, start today for her, and become a self-starter. Let's go. Today's guest, Fran Nudson, owner and founder of Bloom Coffee, takes the phrase, wake up and smell the coffee, literally. Early into her career, she knew corporate America was not for her. Learn why she chose to open up a coffee shop, how her business school background prepared her for the logistics of entrepreneurship, and how her leadership style has evolved over the years. If you've ever wanted to pursue something that truly makes you happy, then this episode is for you. Fran, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me today and share your story about Bloom. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I've met you through Peyton, who was a previous guest, and she has spoken so highly of you and the coffee shop that you have created bloom so i'd love to just learn a little bit more about what you've created i have worked with peyton a good bit she does kind of
0: pop-ups at bloom so it's been really fun to um, watch her business grow but yes, Bloom is just a coffee shop. We've got one in Columbia and now a second location in Charleston. So um, really exciting. We just expanded last year um, and that location has a wine and beer bar as well in Charleston. So it's a, a big, big step for us. But I really just felt like there was kind of a, a piece missing for coffee shops to be really modern and bright and for the aesthetic to match the energizing feel of the coffee. So I kind of started with that idea and then I love like plants and greenery and really just wanted to create a really neat workspace and meeting space and that's kind of where bloom originated I guess that idea and you know I was in school at the time thought I was heading towards corporate America and um kind of just fell in love with this idea of like a really modern coffee shop um so really went down that route completely and and it snowballed into what is now my career so it's a cool a cool space and it's a big focus on botanicals we make our own flavors in house so we have like a lavender flavor and we try to kind of do seasonal flavors with whatever herbs are in season too so a little bit there with the bloom name as well so it's been a great journey. And it's been very fun, very tough work sometimes, but it's been really cool to create just a meeting space and a a place for everyone to kind of gather in the community. So
1: been good. Oh, goodness. I wish I wasn't so far across the country from you because that sounds like (laughs) the exact kind of environment. That sounds like a wonderful place to be able to go and just park yourself and open up a book or work on whatever you need to do for work and just be a part of like, sounds like a very, like a nature like environment. Yeah. I I do want to talk about what you were talking about, like how you've created this modern space, but you also mentioned something about, you thought you were going to go into the corporate world. So I'd love to just better understand how did that development change?
0: I got my undergraduate degree at school in marketing. So I thought it was kind of a fun mix, you know. It's creative, but it's also got the business background, so you know I'd have all the business classes and understand that, um, but still get to kind of have fun with my job. And I I went down that route. I worked for a few vacation rental companies in Charleston with marketing, and it wasn't what I expected it to be, I guess. Um, and it's a lot of office work, and I really like working with customers, so. It just kind of felt like not the right career path to go down. So um, College of Charleston, which is where I went to school, they do a one-year master's program. So I was like, I'll just stay and do that and kind of shift gears a little bit. So I got my master's in revenue management, which feeds really precisely into hotel pricing. You know, I love Charleston. I love to travel. I was kind of like, this might be a fun career path because I can, you know, start with this job that it typically pays well and then I can get perks with whatever company I work for so that I could be able to travel. And kind of same thing I did an internship as part of that year the big hotel in Charleston, which was really cool. I got to meet a lot of people, but it was just working with the same two people in an office every day. And so I kind of had to, you know, the master's program was almost my backup plan. So I really had to sit down and figure out, you know, okay, if this isn't it either, we've really got to to make a path for ourselves here. And I just, I missed the customers, you know, I had been a cocktail waitress in college and worked in retail. And I loved that so much because you get to just meet new people and show people the city and chat with them. And that's really what I was missing in all these corporate jobs is just, you know, not almost like not enough variety of people. So that definitely played a role. I realized I had a passion for hospitality and really being face-to-face with customers. And again, with the, you know, just the, the, out of the blue thought of like, well, what if there was a coffee shop that looked like this? So all of those things combined, Counterculture is our coffee supplier and they've got a training center in Charleston. And I went by for a free tasting one Friday and it ended up being just myself and the Counterculture regional rep who was working that time. And so I was kind of like, all right, theoretically, if I want to start a coffee shop and he had the whole booklet, almost, you know, like a a binder full of what to do and how to do it. So that really kind of sealed the deal for me, because it was like finding someone that would back me and help educate me along the way, because I love coffee, but I don't know everything about it. So that was really helpful and kind of neat to just have that extra push of like, okay, I really could kind of make this happen. Just a lot of, of things kind of fell into place slightly last minute as I was wrapping up my master's degree, but it was kind of just all the right pieces at the right time. So kind of a a cool story. And I wish I could say I've always wanted to do this. And I think looking back, I probably have, I just didn't, didn't know it the whole time, but putting all those pieces together to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. So totally different route, but it worked out.
1: <laughs> you no, know, it has more than worked out for you from what it sounds like. But obviously, you have been a, a coffee drinker. You enjoy the the whole act of, of drinking coffee and the experience behind it and also the personal relationships that you've been able to to form with your clients. But you were talking about how you liked the hospitality industry in general. Obviously, you worked um, as a cocktail waitress, how did you go from knowing that you like what you liked about it as far as like the the human aspect to really deciding coffee is the the route that I want to take when I'm starting my own business?
0: Luckily, with a little bit of a business background in school um've I've definitely had an understanding of startup costs and you know the restaurant business is really cool, but because I hadn't, totally you know I, I hadn't been a manager of anything um at the time i hadn't you know known the ins and outs of the restaurant world necessarily so when i looked into that it's just it's a bigger startup cost and a lot more liability you know if you serve liquor if you serve food there's just a huge risk there you know if you get anybody sick if you overserve um things like that that are just i was 22 at the time and i was like that's a lot to tackle um and looking at a coffee shop, it was a very simplified plan. Even if you were going to put your own spin on it, um, you know, the only, Cost you really have is is the equipment that you're going to buy. So you your startup cost is just coffee equipment, which compared to restaurant equipment is worlds cheaper. So that really played a role into it as well. That was just like what's affordable to kind of get started. So I think that was kind of the business side of me was like let's let's start simple and you know don't dive into something if you don't know it too well. And coffee was a easier to learn. Counterculture was there to to train me and teach me everything. And then be just startup cost. It's a lot simpler with just a coffee shop instead of like a restaurant or a bar or something like that. So a little easier.
1: <laughs> I mean, when you say easier, I'm sure it wasn't. It still wasn't easy. I'm sure it right. took it's a lot. Not, of work. It's not any <laughs> more
0: simple, but I think it's just just cost wise and and creating the business side of it is a little little bit easier. Yeah, on a smaller scale.
1: So it sounds like with the startup, obviously, you said the cost of the machinery, but there was also the cost of renting a space and um, hiring a team of people and training them and also the inventory. I know you're talking about your suppliers. So what did the process look like? Okay. So once you got your machine, like what happened next?
0: We found a space and it took a while to do the build out. So we had to to upfit it. It used to be a a bridesmaid dress store. So we kind of gutted it and and rebuilt, which of course is a cost in itself. And then we got all of the the things built, um, the machinery in. And then as far as working with suppliers, it's really just... Kind of a a fun piece of being a business owner, I think, is when you meet other people who are also business owners because you get to just collaborate. So, you know, I met Counterculture and it was like, all right, what can I do for you? What can you do for me? How does this work? And really just going from there and, and creating these relationships with people. And, you know, we don't have a kitchen, but I've got a good relationship with multiple suppliers. So we've got a wide range of food, but I don't make it. So, kind of just figuring out all of those, you know, what do you need? You obviously need like cups and lids and then you need sugar and then you need coffee and then you need milk and then you need alternate milks. And so it's, it's definitely a, a list that I had to make and go through and a lot of learning the hard way too, where you, you know, I went through my full list before we opened and then we opened and it was like, I forgot to get change at the bank. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> there's always kind of something that'll slip through the cracks here and there. But I think that it's just a lot of planning and, and kind of preparing for that. And luckily with a business background, I had some sense of of what costs might be and what they might look like and how to prepare for that and how to create this like break-even point and figure out what I needed for my business. So it was nice to have that background, but definitely stressful at times when you're like, Oh my goodness, is this even worth it? Is it going to work? But I think that it just takes time, but, um, working with people, you know, they tend to be good at what they're doing. So when you're kind of just like, all right, help, (laughs) what do I do? I got a lot of, a lot of help, honestly, just doing that, just going to the source and saying, you know, what should I do here? How do I get this thing? But There's a lot of suppliers out there, and it's kind of cool to learn as you're doing this, you know, just who will help you and, and, you know, all the pieces along the way.
1: You said something earlier, too, that you were 22 when you decided to build out Bloom. Is that what I heard?
0: Yep. I started at 22. We opened it when I was 23. I definitely, in retrospect, probably should have had a little more coffee shop experience, a little more managerial experience, but I'm a learn by doing person so I just really hit the ground running and I've I've learned a ton and you know I'm 27 now so I feel like I'm so much older in retrospect I guess I'm not but I think that it's a lot a lot to learn along the way and I think you know just leadership style is something you kind of grow into over time so I've I've definitely grown a lot and I'm you know feel like I'm better at certain things now than I was then, but there's always, always room for improvement. So I'm sure in five years, I'll, I'll feel the same way about myself now.
1: <laughs> well, clearly you're doing a lot of things right, but I think age aside, I mean, obviously 22 is really young. Like you had experience in the business world from your education, but you probably didn't have like a ton of real life experience at that point. But what I really liked about what you've said is you just, you just decided to go for it. And sometimes I think that it just starts with that decision. And you know what, it doesn't matter if you have experience or not, because you've been able to figure it out along the way. Sure, maybe you didn't have the change that you needed at the bank. Okay, what's the worst thing that you had to do? I go run to the bank at that point. Like, there's there's so many different little things that I think a lot of people get caught up on that you didn't let get in the way for yourself. So I think
0: um, it was a, a good time in life for sure because part of that thought process was like you know I I don't have a family yet I don't have anything any commitments really in life so I'm gonna try this and if I fail I'm just gonna fail fast and you know worst case even still I'm like if at 30 it's not working out I'll just you know give up and go get a job and we'll move on and there's still plenty of life left to fix whatever's happened if it goes poorly but. Luckily, we're not having that conversation quite yet.
1: <laughs> I don't think you're going to. I mean, you just expanded and you increased your offerings now to have beer and wine at your second location. So from everything that you said, that's a whole nother license that's involved. So it sounds like you're really expanding and you're growing your offerings and you're learning along the way, like what's working and what's not working. So when you first started, what were kind of the biggest learnings that you had that maybe today is kind of like a no brainer for you at this point? I think
0: that um, kind of a few things. One is hiring. Um, obviously, when I opened, I was kind of just like, all right, I need people. So I learned what questions to ask and how to how to have a better hiring process. And part of that is with onboarding as well. So, you know, if we have a good interview and everything goes well and we decide to take you on for the job, now I have training manuals. So it's very simple to run through and be like, all right, you've learned all of these things or, oh, wait, you don't know this piece yet. And that's really helped streamline that process a lot and also give a better understanding for my employees of what's expected and so that was definitely missing in the beginning and it's something that's just taken some time to kind of get to this point with so i think that that's definitely been a big learning curve and then just a lot of of leadership pieces um being very clear when i communicate being kind of firm sometimes you know you you have to ask your employees to do certain things and definitely the the tough conversations you know having to say hey you know, this isn't working out or, Hey, you know, I need more from you. In the beginning, I really struggled with those because it was such a, oh, well, like, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to have to do this, you know? And and I think I'm just over time have learned it's a business at the end of the day, I have to run a business. So a lot of the things that feel personal, you kind of have to put it aside and and remember we're here to make this business run well. So those are definitely the biggest learning curves. But I think it just, it takes time and experience. It's really hard to try to teach that or or really to learn it from others. You kind of have to learn it yourself along the way.
1: Correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw on your social and on your website that you have created a place where your employees actually want to hang out after hours themselves. That's my
0: biggest, that's my my happiest moment. Like on their day off, they'll come in to get coffee and sit and work or bring friends or something. And I think that's so cool because a lot of times, you know, you might leave the office or leave work and you're like, thank goodness, you know, I don't have to see that place for a couple of days. I'm out. And so I it just it warms my heart to know that people don't feel that way at work, you know, that they they might want to actually come in on their day off. So I think that's such a cool thing but it's also it is a balance and and part of that's the the hiring and firing approach you know I've I've learned more so how to communicate effectively and I think that that's I still try really hard to be understanding and to lead with love and I care a lot about my employees But you're still there to work. So when you have a relationship with an employee and there's the respect there of like, I do understand I need to get this job done, but it's it's hospitality so you can't help but chat with them and you kind of get to know about their lives and um, get to be a part of it so I think it's, it's a really fun job for me and for them and that it's a little more laid back a little more relaxed than you know a typical corporate setting but you get to to actually get to know them as people. And I think it's it's just so fun.
1: I think that's like the dream is to be able to create a business where people, they like you, but they also respect you because of what you've created. And they also believe in what, The mission is and what they're doing every single day. And obviously you you've really done that for yourself, but you were also saying that you, you learned that you needed to create manuals and really opportunities for them to be able to, to learn in in a streamlined manner. So at this point, you have been doing this for for quite a few years at this point. What kind of involvement on a day-to-day basis do you have in the business versus being able to put the trust into your employees to run things for you?
0: I think getting the business started, I always give myself one year of being really intensively involved. So I, I was actually working at the store this morning, picking up a shift. So I, I try to stay definitely involved enough to understand, you know, what's functioning, right? What needs some help? Where could we be more efficient? And there's really no way to do that except to be there. And the Columbia location is pretty well running on its own. Um, I've got a great team there that I really do trust. Um, but I also have learned, you know, to delegate a lot of tasks. So everybody kind of has something that's their priority and the thing that they do. And that helps keep it organized as well. But my goal is to be back in Columbia to take a shift at least once a month just to make sure it's going well. And then we do monthly staff meetings. So just making sure to touch base and stay in contact. And that's really important because it works both ways. You know, the more the, the people that work there know me and know my heart, the more they're going to be able to feel comfortable saying, you know, hey, Fran, this is not working or hey, I'm you know, this thing could be improved. And so I think it's it's really cool. Some of our best ideas have just come from employees being like, hey, you know, this this process could be better. Can I fix it? And I think that's just a big communication thing, you know, making sure that they understand, you know, I, I want this to be a good work environment for you too. So if I can improve that, you know, please let me know, I'm happy to do it. And then the Charleston location is only seven months old. So still here doing all of the inventory. I still work a few shifts a week here just to make sure it's, you know, Getting off the ground, but I have no problem handing it off to people. It's just kind of figuring out how all of that works. And a lot of times I kind of take the I'll let someone step up approach. So, you know, when you get good employees and they're like, what else can I do? So I've kind of let that happen as well. So handing things off slowly, but we're we're getting there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I I do want to take it back a little bit too to really the creation of these two spaces. You had talked about them being wanting to be a modern and energizing feel. So what kind of really went into the creation of each one of these different spaces and the idea that you had for for them from the beginning? I definitely just felt like a lot of independent coffee shops tend to be kind of
0: dark and just kind of grungy sometimes, which is like a coffee shop vibe. I do understand it, but it was kind of just the thought of like, what if it wasn't? What if it was opposite of this? And I met with a designer who I've used at both locations and just love because I was like, I I have this idea, but I don't know how to totally round it out. And it was great because he pushed me to add a little bit more color and a little bit more stuff than I was comfortable with, I think. But it turned out perfectly because it's it's just all the pieces that, you know, you you think a few things will look good together in a room and then you're like, I don't know, we're missing something here. And so he was great at really filling in those gaps and at the same time making like the perfect, everything was up to code, everything was up to DHEC regulations, everything was up to ADA regulations. And that's all very... Precise measurements and things. So he was able to really plan out the space to make it functional and usable while also being very pretty. And I think that it was really fun to create that because it was just a lot of collaboration between the two of us. And then we started working with a plant person to really get the plants in perfectly and to kind of just make the space really cohesive. And I think that it was awesome to work with someone on that because it really just helped complete my idea, Mm -hmm. but it was definitely just functional and, and modern and bright was all I needed. So we kind of went from there, but it's cool to see how a space can change and become what you want it to be. So I think that's the most fun part of the business.
1: Yeah. And you had talked about earlier, um, having a more botanical feel to it, which also is how you got you created the name. Is that how I'm yes.
0: It so bloom was created. We spelled it funky so I could copyright it and trademark it, but the blooms just on botanical plants and some of the greenery. And then also um, when you add hot water to coffee grounds, that little foamy layer that it makes um, while it's processing, that's called the bloom as well. So it was kind of the connection between the two.
1: Okay. And then, so I have to dive into this too, because earlier you said your coffee is unique because you make a lot of your flavors in house. hmm So what is that process like?
0: Just simple syrup based. So either white or brown sugar and hot water is the easiest way to start. But it's really fun because you can get way more creative with it. You know, We don't have like hazelnut and French vanilla and the flavors you might normally see. But like, for instance, you know, right now we've got peppermint and eggnog and ginger snap, and we just released a cinnamon roll flavor. And it's just really fun because you can totally go whatever way you want with it. We've done grapefruit rosemary before we've done lemon meringue. We've just made some really cool flavors. Just you think about it then you kind of Google like what tastes like this thing and, and how do I create this thing? And then I'll be in my kitchen at home, putting it all together and trying to see what works. And some things really do not work out, which is sad, but like a lot of berry flavors, for example, don't last very long. So we've had to, we do buy some syrups if we can't, make them ourselves the right way. But on the flip side for seasonal flavors, we just get to have so much fun with with what we pick and you know, whatever herbs are in season, whatever flavors are in season. So it's been really fun to play around with those.
1: And it sounds like the experience every single time someone walks into your coffee shop, obviously you have a general feel that you're going for, but the experience as far as what kind of coffee they can get is going to change based on the seasons and the different creations that you have brought to the table and that are actually live being served currently. Is that that correct? Yeah, It's it's neat because the
0: seasonal flavors change. And so that's what kind of keeps it fresh and different as well as, you know, we'll try to throw in some fun drinks every now and then with something just totally off the wall so that you're not stuck with the same, you know, some people know what they like, they'll order the same thing a million times over, but some people really want something funky and different. So it's fun to see those take off as well.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure like having these different flavors makes it great for promotional purposes too, and to be able to have outside events. So I've been seeing that you do host a lot of events. um, It looks like uh, during the evenings, a lot of the time where a lot of people are just coming together, being able to enjoy coffee around a table and to connect. So what kind of events do you typically host um, at Bloom?
0: The Charleston
1: location has
0: been so fun because we've got the wine and beer bar, but also just hosting more evening events. And we're trying to roll that over into Columbia as well. But we really just, we have the space available in Columbia to rent after hours. So we've done baby showers and birthdays and things like that. But we try to host some of our own things as well. So, for example, this past weekend, we had a therapist come set New Year's resolutions with a group of women. um, And it was just really cool to talk about New Year's resolutions for longevity and then kind of mental health around them and how to stay positive throughout the year. And it was just a really fun event. And then in Charleston, we Have done so many things. We um, try to do a market every two months. So we'll have vendors come and set up and do like a sip and shop evening. Got a woman who owns Nordic cooking and she'll come set up a whole cooking class on one side of Bloom. And so they make vegan food and we do a wine pairing with it and then just a few networking events that have happened as well. So we're really open to, again, what other people are interested in. And, you know, if somebody comes to me and says, Hi, I want to run this thing. Nine times out of 10, I'll say absolutely, because it's not our job to really create and run it, but just to provide the space and some drinks and a good atmosphere. So It's been really cool for business and a great way to get new people in who might not typically have stopped in yet. So lots of new customers come from those events as well. So it's really fun to to be involved and just to get a lot of community members in there. And then, you know, once they come once, they're like, okay, I get it. I know where to park. I know what to order. I know how to do this. So that familiarity is is what's really helpful in getting repeat customers.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's been really rewarding. Going back to what you were saying at the beginning, when you when you took a look at your life and that you knew that you wanted to create a space where people would come together and to be able to connect with your customers and to now see what you've been able to create, where it's not just a coffee shop, it's a place where people can congregate and to have relationships and make connections. And uh, people are now approaching you to host little pop-ups like Peyton was doing and um, baby showers. So it's a really a great place for just celebrations in general. So how rewarding is that?
0: It's awesome. It's really... You know, at the end of the day, if I wanted to make a ton of money, I probably wouldn't own a coffee shop. But I think that it's what I do is so exciting. No day is ever the same. I've learned so much about myself as a person along this journey um, that I wouldn't trade it for anything. But, you know, our customers are everything. Um, We want them to feel comfortable. You know, if you come in, we had someone this morning, actually, who was asking me about everything on the menu they're like what's the difference between these two things what about this thing and I love that and that's our job is to educate you and help you so we never want people to feel dumb whether it's ordering a latte versus a cappuccino or a glass of wine you know we're here to help you figure it out because nobody starts off knowing everything so I really love that piece of it but all of the customers you know especially regulars once they start coming in you kind of just start chatting with them and I've held baby showers for staff members at Bloom I've gone to two of people who worked at Bloom and we've got some customers that'll tell us when they're out of town so we don't worry about them and just things like that that are so sweet and it's so cool to just you kind of by accident become a part of somebody's life in that way and I think that's so rewarding and that's really what I was missing with a lot of like office jobs you know you you get to meet people in your office and I think that that's a good thing too but this just feels a little more like a little bit deeper of a connection in a sense. I think people tell you a lot more when you're behind the bar working, whether it's coffee or wine, either way, they'll still talk to you about their lives. And I think it's just really, really cool to get to know people on that level.
1: I definitely agree. And a lot of our listeners are people that have come from corporate or that are still in corporate, I should say, and really have dreams for more. And hearing stories like yourself, where you just You didn't let yourself settle for anything less than what you knew you wanted to go for. And what you've been able to create because of that is really empowering and personally really inspiring for for someone like myself who is looking to completely transition into something like what you're doing. Um, I think that's amazing. So if you were to like take a look back at yourself pre-22, pre the point where you said like, I'm just going for it, what would you tell her today? I wish I had
0: taken more time to get to know myself. Um, I really am one of those people that I just love everything in the sense that if the people around me are happy, I'm happy. Um, And I still have a little bit of that in me, but I think that trying to find what career path I wanted and really for any 18 to 22 year old, that's still kind of a tough question and it looms over you because you're so young, but you don't feel like it, but you're trying to figure out what forever looks like. And it's, it's kind of a funky time. But I wish I had sat down and and really thought about what makes me happy and what do I like and what would I be interested in. And I kind of got there by a very roundabout route and I'm really happy with what happened. But um, I think not being happy with the certain jobs and and looking at that forever picture and going, oh, I don't know if that's what I want, um, really kind of forced me to sit down with myself and have that talk of like, all right. Where are we going? What are we doing? How are we going to make this work? What's going to make us happy? And also sorting through, you know, is happiness higher on our scale of importance than money? Because we can go get a job and and make money for a while and then come back to this little happiness path. (laughs) But I think it was really helpful to sit down and, and map out what pieces of my future mattered to me. So creating something sounded really cool. And then I love coffee and I love mornings and not everybody feels that way. And so it was like, all right, there could be something there and piecing that together with hospitality and working with people. And, you know, luckily I did have that kind of eureka moment around 22. And I was looking at starting Bloom, but I hadn't been forced to kind of see those things before. And I think it's just, it's really helpful and it's helpful at many stages of life. It's not something you should do once, but to sit down and go, all right, what am I doing? Am I happy? And then where you're not happy is kind of how do I fix it? And and figuring out a, a game plan for what to do from there.
1: You had said that you got there in a pretty roundabout way. And actually, I'd actually argue and say you had a pretty direct way, You were very clear, like to be able to younger than 22 clearly define what you didn't want and take the action and immediately go for it rather than doing something like what I did because I I definitely knew that when I was young that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I let the the money get in the way and I was chasing like the titles and the money instead of going to like where my heart was actually being called. So I actually yeah. I really respect it. And because I would say that I've definitely gone in a roundabout way where <laughs> Um, I look at someone like yourself and I'm like, wow, you're doing it. And it's really, really inspiring. Like you should be really proud of yourself thank and you. how far you've you've come and what you've created and just a relatively short amount of time here.
0: Well, thank you. It was yeah. maybe not roundabout from the outside, but it kind of felt like it
1: while I was going through it, I guess. <laughs> oh, it, all, it always feels like that inside yeah. for sure. <laughs> and they always say like, you don't see all the other, the work that someone's putting into it until the actually work is there to be displayed. So there was a lot that went into it behind the scenes um, to be able okay. to build out what you've created in Columbia and uh, Charleston. So if someone is in the area and wants to check out the coffee shop, maybe grab some beer and wine, To one of the events, how would they be able to find you?
0: Instagram is definitely our most up to date form of communication in terms of events and what's going on and flavors and things like that. Um, We have two different accounts. So there's bloom underscore coffee underscore cola for the Columbia location and then bloom underscore chs for the Charleston location. Um, And then we've also got a website that's bloomsc.com. And those are going to be the most informational, the most up-to-date ways of communication. So um, following either of those, you can find all of our, our latest and greatest, the Flavors events, things
1: like that. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Fran, for taking the time to share your story today. I know that everyone listening is going to be beyond inspired and also extremely impressed by what you've been able to create in such a short amount of time. So keep it up. We're all rooting for you over here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Fran's story is inspiring, but the fact that she began all of this at the young age of 22 is absolutely incredible. Her self-awareness allowed her to evaluate what she wanted and didn't want in a career. Ultimately, community and connection were what her soul was craving, and what a better way to do that than over a cup of coffee. So what's one thing we can take away from Fran's story? Owning your own business involves a lot of planning. No matter how prepared you are, things may still slip through the cracks, and that's okay. You learn by doing. And the more you do, the more you will learn and the more you will evolve. So are you ready to start evolving self-starter? Thanks for listening to today's episode of the self-starter podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to like, and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest content. Want even more? Be sure to head to selfstarter.com and remember start today for you, start today for her and become a self-starter. See you next time.